Is Ron Rivera's fate sealed, or is there still a fighting chance that he can save his job? We examine that and much more on today's mailbag episode of Locked On Command. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast and you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Sign up and you can get text messages directly from me. You can send them to me, be involved in our insider exclusive videos, mailbag episodes, all kinds of good stuff coming. And it's not ending just at the end of the season. Plenty of draft prep. I'll be at the senior bowl. I'll be at the scouting combine. We'll be doing text message uh, conversations and, and bonus videos all from those venues. Again, join subtext.com slash locked on commanders to get in on all that good stuff. I'm David Harrison, your host for this episode, credential member of the media covering the Washington commanders for commandercountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I greatly appreciate all the everydayers for coming through like you do. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 on today's episode of locked on commanders. We are cracking open the mailbag. We've got questions pertaining to the future of this team. As far as roster foundation is concerned, somebody asking if Eric B has to share a little bit of the blame for the defensive struggles. But first we're talking about coach Ron Rivera and whether or not his fate is sealed. Of course, with the way that this thing has gone with the way the last four seasons have gone, Pretty much everybody is anticipating, expecting, assuming even that Ron Rivera will be fired at the end of the season uh, this year in you know uh, early to mid-January uh, when the season is over. Now, does that mean that it's absolutely going to happen? I mean, no. You know, In this world, you can never say never. Uh, and we've talked about this before in the offseason when once the sale was going through and, and finalized and looking at Josh Harris's history as a sports owner with the Philadelphia 76ers, who I'll be covering Wednesday night from Capital One Arena and the New Jersey Devils. He has shown more patience, I think, than a lot of owners probably in his position uh, would. Of course, he is the owner that helped or allowed the facilitation of the process, quote unquote, with the Philadelphia 76ers, which some people think that the process was an abject failure because they didn't get any championships. Some say that it was uh, an, an immense success because the process was always about making the 76ers consistently competitive, which they are. Um, so I'll leave that opinion up to you and the guys over at Locked On 76ers and Locked On NBA. Um, but the bottom line is Josh Harris's history has always kind of been towards leaning towards being a more patient owner. Uh, there was an article published recently uh, by Nikki Javal of the Washington Post kind of talking about some of that patience and, and the preference for patience. Uh, from this ownership group, Magic Johnson retweeted uh, the article and said, you know, and, and basically encouraged and supported the thought of patience in building this team. Now, that could be taken as potentially saying we're going to give Ron Rivera two full years or at least one full year and then uh, let him come back in 2024 to kind of kind of work this thing. But it could also just mean like we're going to wait till the end of the season. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of reasons to wait to the end of the season for 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 one. Uh, if you, you already fired Jack Del Rio, your defense coordinator, if you fire Ron Rivera, there's nobody left on the defensive staff that has ever actively called defensive uh, plays during an NFL game. 
And now, now the burden on everybody else just intensifies even more. And, you know, you're never going to get better results by stressing out your coaching staff uh, even that much more. They pretty much all know that their jobs are gone at the end of the year if you do that as well. So it's just it's just kind of, a, you know, it, it's kind of making a, a problem into a bigger problem for nothing more than maybe a little bit of PR. I, I know there's certainly a section of fans that would be very happy to to see Ron Rivera get uh, fired before the end of the season. But beyond that, you also have to consider you're wanting people to look at your job as an attractive job. So even if they know they're going to fire Ron Rivera at the end of the season, you want a, a potential coaches to come in and say, okay, if, if this doesn't work out with me and this team, I'm still potentially going to get the opportunity to at least finish out my last season and not get fired week 11 and have it be this, this big scandalous storyline. Like firings at the end of the season, don't get me wrong, they're, they're big storylines, of course, but that happens, you know, we have Black Monday. That happens at the end of every NFL season. Um, it's not new. Firing in week 11, firing in week 14, those are a little bit more significant because uh, they're midseason, and now the talk is, you know, uh, you know, are you throwing in the flag? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? So, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see Ron Rivera get fired in season, no matter what happens. But the question that I got here for the mailbag wasn't about when will he get fired. It was Fran saying, do you think there may or may not be an over-under for the amount of wins uh, for the remaining games for Ron Rivera to keep his job. Now, Fran asked this question or sent this question in uh, before the Miami Dolphins game, and I wasn't actually going to use it for our insider-only command huddle, but uh, I had some things I had to take care of before the Dolphins game, wasn't able to get to the command huddle this last weekend, so I'm going to use it here from the mailbag, and everybody's going to kind of get to hear the answer. So heading into the Dolphins game, I would have said, yes, I do actually believe that there is an opportunity for Ron Rivera to save his job, and I'll tell you the reason why I think there's an opportunity here is because of the new assistant defensive backs coach that they brought in. He has ties with the Buffalo Bills, which, of course, has ties with Ron Rivera through their Carolina Panthers staff. And it's someone that Ron Rivera talked about very glowingly, saying they wanted to bring him in for a period of time. We kind of covered this last week when the hiring was made. But I think that right there, Josh Harris is spending money. Like Eugene Shen, we kind of, when that, when he was hired, the, the analytics expert was hired. It's like, okay, is this a Josh Harris move? Is this a Ron Rivera move? And of course, Ron's coming out and saying, hey, you know, we're happy to have him and all this stuff. But you still don't really know who actually sparked that move. This assistant defensive backs coach or secondary coach or nickel coach, whatever you want to call him, this is a Ron Rivera move. This is a Ron Rivera guy. And this is a guy I asked Ron Rivera about it last week. He said he wanted to hire him for a long time. Now the opportunity just never really seemed to fit right. And the, you know, the window is never really open. The window is now open. So he went ahead and he made the hire. But again, you know, understand every penny that is being spent by that organization has to be approved by the ownership group. So Josh Harris gave Ron Rivera the green light to bring in another assistant coach. I don't think you do that for a staff that you know you're canning at the end of the season. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if it's only $60,000 for the rest of the season, you know, 60 grand for like five games of work, even if it's only 60 grand for like five games of work, that's still 60 grand that you're, you're shelling out. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and billionaires don't become billionaires because they just throw money around uh, willy nilly. So that really kind of more than anything gives me the, the impression that the possibility of Ron Rivera saving his job is still out there. Now, did you have to beat the Dolphins to 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 be to do part of that? No, I don't think you'd had to. I do want to say that I think you had to have a better performance against the Miami Dolphins than you did. So that certainly doesn't help. But I think at the end of the day, if Ron Rivera is going to save his job, you have to do three things. You got to beat the Los Angeles Rams coming out of the bye. You have to beat the New York Jets on Christmas Eve. And you have to beat the Dallas Cowboys at the end of the season. And I don't care if the Dallas Cowboys have their seating wrapped up or don't wrapped up or whatever the circumstances, they didn't really play too hard. You have to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Cause at the end of the day, everybody that's involved with the national football league knows 
if you want to be one of the better teams in the NFL, you have to be able to compete within your division. You have to be able to beat your division rivals. This team has lost to the Philadelphia Eagles twice this year. They've lost to the New York Giants twice this year. They've lost to the Dallas Cowboys once this year. You have to salvage a win against the Dallas Cowboys in order for this to have any shot. And I would say you can't get boat raced by the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, by the way, you also can't have Chase Young go off in that game. Chase Young, I'm, you know, I'm reading and, and, and looking at social media, apparently not having that great of, a, of, a, of an impact uh, in, in San Francisco, at least not as much as people wanted you to believe that he was having uh, in, in the first couple of games. But whatever the circumstances are with Chase Young there in San Francisco, you cannot let him come back to FedEx Field and just take over. If he comes into your house, his old house, and just completely disrespects you, uh, then I think that might be you know, one of the final nails in the coffin. But I think if you lose to the Rams, you lose to the Jets, you lose to the Cowboys, I think it's a done deal. Again, could be wrong. I, th- there's no, I can't, you know, even I can't even give you a source inside the team tells me that's not the case here. Uh, that's just kind of the vibe that I get. Uh, but I also do kind of get a little bit of a vibe that this thing may not be over yet. And, and I could be wrong uh, there as well. I know there's a lot of you out there who are kind of saying this thing may or better be uh, over already. Regardless of what happens here, if the Washington Commanders, let's just say if the Washington Commanders somehow, some way stick with Ron Rivera going into next season, it's going to be because Josh Harrison's ownership group believes that there is a foundation for this team to build on. If they don't, they've got to make a decision now on which players they feel like could be the foundation to grow on. That's coming up next on this episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Skylight Frames. Is there a better gift to give your loved ones than your loved ones? Maybe even yourself. Partially due to being a military family, my family is spread all over the place. I've got family in Colorado, California, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio. I live in Virginia. We are everywhere. Custom cards with family photos are a popular thing this time of year. But updates and new photos are appreciated throughout the calendar year, not just during the holidays. And that's where the Skylight Digital Picture Frame comes in. You gift it during the holidays, but really it's a gift that keeps on giving all year long. Gift it to a new or expecting parent, rather, who can load new family photos into it to chronicle their family's growth for years to come, or to the friend that you took that amazing trip uh, with that you just don't get to catch up with enough so they can always have you nearby without having to scroll through an app or hope that their cell service will let them load images wherever they are. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame you can send photos to straight from your phone, and they appear in seconds. You can even preload them before the box is open for a truly customized gift this year. And Skylight offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they're so confident you'll love it. They offer free 120-day returns. Skylight frames are top-rated with over 1 million happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and it's available in over 30 countries. As a special limited-time offer to our listeners, get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframes.com slash locked on to get $15 off your purchase of a skylight frame. Again, just go to skylightframe.com slash locked on that skylight frame. S K Y L I G H T F R A M E.com slash locked on. Thanks for making locked on commanders. Your first listen or view today and every day, every day is come back tomorrow. We have another episode. We don't have a crossover episode, so I'm going to try to do some film study. I'm going to try to do some deep dives into some interesting topics for you. And we will have that coming up on Wednesday. Um, no, on Thursday. Sorry, this is Wednesday. We will have that dropping for you on Thursday, potentially Wednesday night. I do have to cover a Wizards game, so we'll see if I can get it knocked out before the Wizards game. If not, I will do it first thing Thursday morning. Either way, Thursday, you will have that episode available. Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7. 
covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Moving on with our mailbag, I had multiple questions from insiders, from non-insiders uh, on Twitter. We had some YouTube comments and questions. Uh, basically what's the foundation of this team, right? Like a lot of people are operating off the assumption that this coaching staff is going to be ripped apart. Uh, and that certainly feels like it's the most likely uh, outcome at the end of the year, despite everything that I just said, I do feel like that is the most likely outcome. Um, so if that's the case moving forward. And then on top of John Allen's comments, which if you haven't heard about John Allen's comments or you have, and you haven't heard what I had to say about John Allen's comments, go to our previous episode. Uh, very first segment we talked all about, what John Allen said and what I think and what we think about what he had to say. So who are the foundational players for this team? Right. And, and some people broke it down specifically and kind of wanted categories of this, right? Who does the team need to keep? Who should the team keep and who does the team not need? And I'm not going to go through all like 90 names on this potential list for 2024, but I do want to look at this team um, and kind of go over and say, okay, who, uh, who who is who who are the foundational players? Like honestly, who are the foundational players on this Washington Commanders roster as it stands today? So pull up the 2024 roster again. I'm only going to go over kind of the key names here. Uh, but starting off with Terry McLaurin, next year he's got a 24.1 million dollar cap hit. You know we're not really too worried about cap numbers because the Washington Commanders are projected to have over 90 million dollars in cap space before they make any moves. And then you know if they want to make some moves to free up even more, they could have you know over 100 million dollars. Uh, in cap space. But I think Terry McLaurin is absolutely a foundational piece. You know what I mean? Um, and certainly there's been some frustration. You can understand there's got to be some frustration when you have a guy as talented as Terry is, uh, who's not you know been able to produce the, as much as he wants to this season for his team and for himself, uh, whether it's scheme, whether it's quarterback relationships, whatever it is, there's certainly going to be some frustration there. But at the end of the day, this team knows how valuable he is. And I do truly believe that he's one of those guys. I think he's, he's one of those rare NFL players today, unfortunately, who really wants to be able to play his entire career one spot. Now, could he get to where John Allen is right now, where he's potentially looking and saying, look, you know, I've got to choose. Do I want to stay in one spot or do I want to win? Because I may not be able to do both. Um, and, you know, but I don't think Terry is there yet. So I think Terry wants to stay. And I think as a team, you need to keep him. Going on to Deron Payne, Deron Payne is absolutely, to me, a foundational guy that you have to keep. Again, uh, on top of that, He's got a $46 million dead cap number, so he ain't going nowhere. Deron Payne is absolutely going to be here on this roster in 2024. Jonathan Allen is a tricky one. Look, at the end of the day, if he comes to the team, and whether it's ownership, new GM, new coach, current GM, current coach, whatever it is, if he says, look, guys, I appreciate you. Seven years has been a blast. I want to go somewhere else. I don't keep him. You know what I mean? I, I'm of the mindset that if you don't want to be part of the solution, then you are now part of the problem. You may not even be creating the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like Jonathan Allen certainly isn't blowing single high safety coverage. But if you don't want to help facilitate the solution, now you're a part of the problem. Because if you're not a part of the problem, you're part, you're, you're part of the solution, you're a part of the problem, right? So that's kind of how I view it. So if I were you know, a betting man, if John Allen says I want out, I think you make a deal happen. Uh, you get him somewhere. Uh, you know, that works best for the team and for him uh, as well. Left tackle Charles Leno. I know there's a lot of people out there who want Charles Leno gone. And I look at it like this. Does this team absolutely need improvements across the offensive line? One thousand percent. Is Charles Leno a foundational guy? No. Do you need to keep him? You absolutely do. Because even if you go out and draft, say, a left tackle, are you going to get a blue chip right tackle? Probably not. You're probably talking second round for that blue chip right tackle or for that next right tackle. Who, now you give Charles Leno the opportunity to shift over to the right tackle spot, or you go the route the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think the New York Giants went with Andrew Thomas, where you start off your rookie 
at right tackle. You eventually shift him over to left tackle. Either way, I think you have to keep a veteran offensive tackle in the mix here, and I think that guy is Charles Leno. Andrew Wiley is a guy that I think you can move on from if you need to, especially if Eric Bieniemy isn't here. You know, the, the future for Eric Bieniemy isn't necessarily as solid as, as maybe some people would like it to be. Um, either, I don't believe so. Andrew Wiley, you know what I mean? If, if EB's gone, Andrew Wiley's probably gone with him. But either way, I think, you know, it's there's a potential there uh, to move on from Andrew Wiley as well. Wouldn't save you much, would only save you about a million and a half. So, you know, unless he completely becomes a problem, if you do draft a young hotshot tackle, let him and Charles Leno battle it out for the other tackle spot. If he loses and he's not a problem, he's a good teammate, uh, good locker room guy, that good veteran, then I think you keep him on. Um, you know, it's it's really not too big of a deal. But do you need him? No, I don't think you need him moving forward. Tight end Logan Thomas. Uh, I like what tight end Logan Thomas brings to the table. Look, there's a potential here to save around $6 million in cap space if the Washington Carriers move on from Logan Thomas. I don't think they need to keep him. But at the same time, like, there's nobody behind him that's really pushing him for that job. So in that case, in that sense, it almost pushes him into that need category. I would like to see, and I think the commander should keep Logan Thomas around again. Yes, you could free up five, $6 million in cap space, but you don't really need the cap space. So you're not really worried about it too much. He's a veteran. He's, he's a captain, definitely well-respected in the locker room. So I think you should keep him. I don't think you need to keep him. Uh, offensive lineman, Nick Gates. I know a lot of people are down on him. Um, you know, again, the, the, the veteran experience, uh, Nick Gates is another one of those guys that you have to have an honest conversation with him in the off season. Say, do you want to be a part of this moving forward? If he doesn't, then I think you try to facilitate as much as you can moving him. But if he wants to be a part of it and he's a good part uh, of, of the locker room, which it looks to me like he is, um, then I still think you keep him because again, the savings isn't really that much. And as far as backups go, he's still a very solid backup guard. Uh, I don't know that the move to center uh, was necessarily uh, the most important. Curtis Samuel is a free agent. I would like to see the Washington Bears bring Curtis Samuel back. So I would say you should bring him back. But again, I think the scheme dependent. Jamin Davis uh, is a guy that I got to study a lot, lot deeper. I don't think that the Washington Commanders are going to make a move there. Jahan Dotson is going to stick around. Tress Way, you can't get rid of Tress. Uh, everybody loves Tress. Emmanuel Forbes is going to stay. Danny Johnson, I think, is definitely a guy that you should keep uh, on the roster. I don't think you need to keep him, but you certainly should keep him. A very solid role player on the defense. Sam Cosme, you have to keep him. Uh, there's no getting rid of him. Fedarian Mathis, uh, I think you should also keep it. There's still potential there. I know he hasn't produced this year, but really, if you look at him as a rookie this season because of the injury he suffered last season, then you got to keep him at least one year, uh, one more year. Uh, Quan Martin is, is going to be in his second year keeping him. Benjamin St. Juice, there's no reason to cut him or, or try to trade him. Deami Brown, same situation. Uh, Brian Robinson, you're keeping him as well. Percy Butler, there's no moving on from him. Derek Forrest, I think, you know, uh, injuries are terrible, but if he can eventually be healthy, then you certainly want to keep him. Long snapper, Cameron Cheeseman. I don't know that you're, I'm not going to say you're saying you cut Cameron Cheeseman, but I think you got to bring in competition. I don't care who the coaching staff is. You have to bring in competition. Obviously, Sam Howell, uh, is, is not going anywhere. Cole Turner, you want to keep around to see if you can tap into more of that potential. Chris Paul has done really well as a starting left guard. I don't think I leave that position unchallenged, but I do keep Chris Paul around and let him fight for that starting job again next year. Christian Holmes, again, no reason to move him. KJ Henry, you're absolutely keeping. Uh, and I think that's pretty much everywhere we need to go. You know, a lot of these other guys are guys that, you know, not major influencers. So that's pretty much how I look at this thing. Um, I think we hit everybody. The rest of the guys are free agents. So like Kendall Fuller, you know, David Mayo, uh, Cody Barton, those guys, those are free agent conversations we will have. But as far as guys that are currently set to be on the 2024 roster, those are who I think you need to keep, should keep, uh, and don't necessarily need. Wrapping up this mailbag episode, we're going to come back and talk about Eric Bieniemy's stake and, and potential claim to blame 
for the defensive struggles. That's wrapping up this mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. I like to take three players from every Thursday night football game in the season. This week, I'm going with Pittsburgh Steelers kicker Chris Boswell to make more than one and a half field goals. I'm also taking Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth to have more than 26.5 receiving yards. But I'm not going on the opposite end of that. I'm actually going to cross over to the NBA and I'm going to take Philadelphia 76ers center Joel Embiid to have more than 11 rebounds against the Washington Wizards on Wednesday nights. Because uh, I know it's not technically three on Thursday night, but you know what? I get to play this game the way I want to play this game. That's the great thing about prize picks. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL in all lowercase to get a first deposit match up to $100. That promo code again, locked on NFL, all lowercase. And at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL to get a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's episode also brought to you by. FanDuel and uh, the weather's getting colder, especially around these parts. But the NFL is offer is staying hot as ever, and the NFL offers stay hot with FanDuel right now. New customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. It's one hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins. Washington Commanders are on a buy, so there's no way they're going to lose this weekend. But either the Dallas Cowboys or Philadelphia Eagles are likely to lose. The Cowboys are minus 174 money line favorites in that game. So you pick your favorite or least favorite NFC East rival, bet on them, bet against them with a $5 money line bet. If you're right, you get that bonus money. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and get winning this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. All right, guys, we're wrapping up this episode of Locked On Commanders mailbag episode with a question from Ravi, who says that there have been people saying that Eric Bieniemy also needs to get some blame for the struggles on defense for offensive play calling, not allowing for longer drives, getting more three and outs because of it. And that is why Eric Bieniemy should be left uh, carrying some of the blame uh, for the Washington Commanders defensive struggles. Do I look at it that way? Here's what I will tell you. Um, I think at the end of the day, when you win or lose, you win or lose as a team. And, you know, you have the opportunity to play complimentary football. I think that's what we're all kind of looking for, uh, where you not only, you know, defense keeps the team from scoring, offense scores points. That's like the base level of of of, of uh, complimentary football. But, yes, I do think there is something to if you are an offensive coordinator and you know that your defense is overmatched or has been on the field a long time or just got done with a really long drive, you need to come into the next drive with the mindset of, I need to give this defense a little bit of time on you know the sideline to, to, take, a, to take a breath. So does Eric Bieniemy deserve some blame for situations where the team goes three and out too often? You know, I, I think the, 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 the right answer, honestly, as much as people are going to love this answer, is yes and no. I don't think you can just sit here and say, EB, how dare you call two passes in one run in those first three plays and not pick up a first down? Because again, at the end of the day, it's all about the execution. And when you talk about blaming coordinators from a functional standpoint, right? So we get into the blame and responsibility conversation, but real quick, talking about blaming a coordinator from the functional standpoint, you know, if it's first and 10 and you're calling four verts and your, your quarterback has had less than three seconds all day to get the ball off, 
then you're to blame for that bad play call. On second and 10, you you throw a screen uh, to the right side of the offensive line when you know your right tackle can't block that D end or that outside linebacker to save his life. You're at fault for that call. And then on third down, if you if you call a tunnel screen uh, that never gains more than 10 yards in the history of your play calling, then yes, you're absolutely at fault. But if you go back through these plays and you say, if this gets blocked right and this team is capable of blocking this right, then it's productive, it's successful. If this quarterback reads this correctly, then it's successful. If you look at those things and you can say that honestly, then no, I don't put the blame on the three and out to the offensive coordinator, the play caller. And most of the time, and we haven't evaluated every single offensive play that this team has run, but most of the time when the conversation of did Eric Bieniemy have a good or a bad day as a play caller, when I go back through and look at the plays that specifically people say, like, I can't believe he called this play on this down. Typically, I would say probably about 75% of the time when you go back through it, you can look at it and say, this is why this play should have been successful and why the, why the lack of success is actually on the players, not on the coordinator. So from that standpoint, no, I would say for the most part, Eric Bieniemy is not responsible for the defensive decay. Now, on the other side of things, as the offensive coordinator, as the play caller, you are responsible. So we talk about blame. Now let's talk about responsibility. You are responsible for the functioning of your offense. Bottom line, there's no excuse. It doesn't matter. I don't care what happened. I don't care who stubbed their toe. I don't care what piece of paper got lost, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, you are responsible. And everybody knows that. Jack Del Rio understands that when he got fired. Eric Bieniemy understands that from his time here. Kansas City, Minnesota, all that stuff. Ron Rivera understands it um, as well. But when you look at this, right, like so first downs, for example, you know, first and six to 10. So most of your first and tens there, the Washington Commanders have run the ball 122 times and they've passed the ball 229 times. Um, they're averaging 5.17 yards per pass on first downs, uh, first and six to 10. They're averaging 17 or I'm sorry, 4.49 yards per rush. So pretty successful there and not a 50 50 split, certainly. Uh, but I think 229 passes on first and six to 10 versus 122 rushes on first and six to 10. That's a fairly decent, it certainly is lopsided, but it is a fairly uh, um, decent look. Now, a successful first down play, you know, you want to gain 40% or more. So you're looking at second and six. So if we look at second and one to second and five, typically you're getting more passes there as well. So you're getting very pass heavy. Third downs, third and fives uh, to third and ones, you're getting again more pass heavy. So what I don't like about what Eric Bieniemy has done is just overly emphasizing the pass. Now, lately and more recently, he has turned more to the running game, turned more to the screen game. And I think that's a better rhythm. And if Eric Bieniemy is here next season, I expect to see that from the beginning of the season in training camp. And Ron Rivera did kind of talk about this. You take the lessons learned, what you found out this season, and you build on it for the next. So if Eric Bieniemy is still here, I do expect to see uh, maybe a more equitable type of offense versus for, for run versus pass. Uh, than we did the, in the beginning of this season. And that, I think, will actually open some up, especially if you get some offensive line improvements uh, during the offseason. So a little bit of yes, a little bit of no, but hopefully I fleshed out the reasons why it's a little bit of yes, a little bit of no. So it's not just this like on-the-fence answer that's kind of unsatisfying. But hopefully I gave you that. That's just the truth. That's just the way I see it. Um, but good questions there, everybody. I appreciate you coming through for this mailbag episode coming up tomorrow. Again, we're going to dive into some of the other things going on here. I'm going to take more look at Terry McLaurin's routes. I'm going to take more looks at Jahan Dotson's routes. I'm going to take a look at some of the secondary things going on. We're basically going to do a whole lot of film study, um, and I'm going to break it down to you as best I can without showing you the film because I don't want to violate licenses and get fired. That's coming up on Thursday. In the meantime, you got questions for future mailbag episodes, throw them in the YouTube comments. Find me on social media. 
or text me directly by going to joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Don't forget, check out check out Locked On Sports Today, the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Go to Locked On Sports Today you on YouTube and subscribe to that first ever history-making YouTube stream. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. And until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.